0: Big bank, small bank, I like to make money.
3: All right. That is the ultimate
4: kibosh. You want (laughs) to (laughs) bet? And we are
2: underway. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another NFL Fantasy Flex episode of the award-winning Action Network podcast presented by BetMGM, the official odds provider of the podcast. I'm Matthew Friedman, the editor-in-chief of Fantasy Labs, and here with me, Sean Corner and Chris Raybon. Sean is the Action Network Director of Predictive Analytics. Chris is a senior editor and analyst at the Action Network, and they are two of the best fantasy football rankers in the world. Gentlemen, it is week one, and in this episode, we are highlighting the players at the top of our rankings and projections, which you can find in our fantasy tool at the Action Network. We are discussing the guys we are high and low on, the potential streamers in the daily fantasy values, fades, and tournament plays. For more on DFS, of course, check out our Fantasy Labs models. And as always, you're going to speculate on a couple prop bets for each position joining us. All of that fun is extra special guest Rich Rebar, a.k.a. Lord Reeves, a football analyst and writer for Sharp Football Analysis. Rich, how's it going?
1: What's going on, guys? We made it. I just want to lock myself into this podcast week one every year. And uh, last week one, we tore it up. So we've got a lot to fill out. I know no one wants to call scoreboard
2: a year from now, but uh, we did. Last time I was on the show, we were all incredible. So I want to bring it back. As of now, I'm booking you week one in perpetuity. (laughs) So I I have dibs. So uh, it's great to have you on the show for week one and... uh, course, I want to remind everyone to participate in the best DFS contest on the planet, the Action Network Podcast Tournament of Champions. Presented by BetMGM. The contest is now live. It is a custom tournament on Yahoo exclusively for our listeners. And it is free every week. You can join by clicking on the link in the show description. The top 10 finishers each week will get over $1,000 worth of Action Network prizes. And the top five finishers each week punch their ticket to the Wildcard Weekend Grand Finale, where they will compete for the grand prize, a Las Vegas trip for two. Valued at $5,000, courtesy of BetMGM. Again, listeners can join this free tournament every week. Click on the link in the episode description to join. All right, let's get into the show. Rich, let's start with that quarterback position. Who are your top three fantasy quarterbacks this week?
1: I mean, I wish I had something exciting and something hot to really come in uh, in week one, but uh, it's pretty chalky. I mean, all these guys at the top run into pretty cushy matchups uh, and outlooks to start the season. So I've got Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott. I think that that's probably, I don't know if someone has something different, but, you know, Mahomes just gets that team, that Houston defense. They were were 31st in the NFL in pressure rate last year. They allowed the most passing yards per possession uh, in the NFL defensively at home Thursday night. You know, they're going to actually some crowd uh, in Kansas City as well. Uh, this it just, It's just a mismatch on all levels, you know, this defense versus that offense and healthy. You know, the, they did win in Kansas City last year in the middle of the season, but, you know, that was with Mahomes with kind of a, a weird ankle thing going on still. Tyreek's first game back, they didn't have Watkins that game. Their running back position was still kind of in limbo. Mahomes is going to come right out of the gates. pretty hot. Lamar, just the floor is too high. Uh, he's been really good against the Browns anytime he's ever faced them. And the Browns are just so banged up already in week one defensively and then you just got that shootout on Sunday night with Dak and the Rams you know it's already moved up a little bit and it's been been bed up a little bit and if the Rams could just do their part like unlike they did last year when it was 28-7 at halftime and Dak only threw seven passes in the second half of that game uh, there's there's some chance for fireworks there and that to go back and forth as well so pretty chalky but uh, those are the top guys I got.
2: Yeah, those are the guys at the top of our combined Action Network Fantasy rankings, the rankings that Sean produces, Raybon produces, and I produce each week. Sean, I'm assuming those are the three guys you have at the top of the board.
4: Yep, those are the three I have. Mahomes and Jackson, are in, they're in a tier of their own. And then this week, as Reeves mentioned, Prescott has probably the best matchup uh, against the Rams. So I have number three. And then it's, you know, you still have Watson and Wilson right behind. But I'm giving uh, Dak the edge to be the number three QB this week.
2: Raymond, anything you want to say about these three guys, or uh, are you differing in
3: the way that you are ranking anyone in the top three? No, nah, but I think Dak is – this is a good time to kind of jump on Dak early in the year because um, if you look at Mike McCarthy with the Packers, they passed a lot in the red zone, a lot more than Dallas has. Dallas tends to have given the ball to Zeke. For his career, Aaron Rodgers with McCarthy was about a 74% – of the team's offensive touchdowns came via the pass for Dak. Uh, that's been more like 62, 63% over the last couple, even since getting Amari. So this is projected to be a high-scoring game, and uh, we might see a little more Dak uh, in the red zone, a little less Zeke. So it could be a big week for Dak.
2: Yeah, Rayvon, I'm with you there. You know, normally uh, you see a tear break between those guys at the the top with. Mahomes and Jackson and then a break and then whoever slots in as the third quarterback but this week I really have Dak projected right there uh, with Mahomes and with Lamar Jackson so I, I do think it's really a, a true tier of three and then a break after that Rich I'm curious as to a quarterback that you are relatively high on in your rankings relative to the consensus or the the DFS market anyone you see that really stands out for you I
1: mean, it's a great open. I mean, we seemingly say this every year when everyone still drafts quarterbacks in the single-digit rounds. But there's a lot of Week One options if you waited and are just playing a guy to start the season. I think you can go a number of directions. I'm pretty high on Ben Roethlisberger uh, just because when you look at that the situation he's walking into uh, against the Giants, who you know they're just their defense still objectively on paper looks to be heinous once again. And you know last year they were 31st in point differential allowed to quarterbacks uh, opposed to what that player was averaging coming into that match up. It seems to be, you know, getting all those guys healthy. It looks like Ebron and Claypool are going to have roles too. And if those guys have a role and they can wreck in the middle of the field, I mean, that makes me like Ben Roethlisberger a little bit more. The home road splits are pretty noisy with him and he's always been good on Monday night anyways. Actually the Steelers in general, they're 16 and two on Monday night under Mike Tomlin. Some other guys that stand out, I mean, Phillip Rivers, I know a lot of people are gonna be playing the running backs and there's probably a volume concern in that game. I mean, his high scoring game last year came against the Jaguars. The Jaguars are, are horrible. Uh, uh, and if you look at Rivers Splits in the AFC South, like they've just been credible his whole career. He's got 39 touchdowns and just four interceptions in his career against the AFC South non-Indianapolis teams. No one really is going to be looking to play him. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky is a punching bag in the fantasy community. He's been, for fantasy purposes, he's been completely fine as a streaming, like glowing matchup guy in 17 career games against past defense are 20th or lower. He averages 23.3 fantasy points a game, eight and a half yards for pass attempt. He's thrown three or more touchdowns his last three games against the Lions. I do think the Lions actually might be a little better than people think this year just because that you know adding Trufant getting Jeff Rakuda, like the, the, the secondary is a little bit better but you know Trubisky's an interesting spot too because if Dave Montgomery doesn't play and they come in with like Coral Patterson Ryan Nall and Cohen it kind of lends itself to maybe like letting Mitch kind of play like a little kind of a weird game too where he's just there's not trying to hide him and then Cam Newton you know just because I think a lot of people just don't really know what to expect from Cam Newton but you know big home favorite. I think they're gonna to have to let cam newton run and use his legs this year a little bit just because that team doesn't really have a lot you know miami was dead last in the league and passing points allowed per attempt last year they're another team that made some additions you got kyle van noy emmanuel agbada rushed to pass or shack lawson and you had byron jones to the mix those are guys i'm all higher on than the consensus
2: rankings right now Yeah, Rebar, I'm with you, especially on Roethlisberger. I have him in the top 10, and I think it's a fantastic bounce-back spot for him to start the year off with all the weapons that he has. So very much with you there. Sean, who are you relatively high on?
4: So for DFS purposes and streaming purposes, I'm pretty high on Tyrod Taylor this week. He's 5.6K on DK. Um, and I mean, this is a great matchup for him. They're at Cincinnati. The Bengals allowed the most rushing yards of quarterbacks last year. And, you know, obviously a big part of that had to do with playing Lamar Jackson two times. Um, but, you know, Anthony Lynn has said that, you know, they, they might tailor this offense, you know, more towards the Greg Roman offense that the, the Ravens employ. And there there is some lineage there. Greg Roman was Tyrod Taylor's offensive coordinator heading into 2015. Um, he was fired after they started off 0-2 and then Anthony Lynn took over. And Tyrod was the QB7 that year. So, um, you you know, they'll probably hit the ground running. Uh, Whether or not Tyrod starts many games this year remains to be seen. But, you know, heading into week one, we don't care about that. He's facing the Bengals. I think you would fire him up. Uh, He'll be without Mike Williams, but still, you know, he still has his top three weapons and Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, and Hunter Henry. So I think he'll be ready to go. I also love the Trubisky call. He's, he's a good cheap option this week. I, I'm a little bit worried about him in DFS because there's still the possibility they can, you know, put Foles in at any given time. So I, I you know, be cautious about him. He's a GPP flyer for sure. Um, and then Cam Newton sticks out at 6.1K. The Dolphins' defense will be better this year, so it's it's not some, like, cupcake matchup necessarily. But just at 6.1K, he he's the man there. Again, I'm not expecting Jared Stidham to come in and play a series here or there. He's the man there. Uh, he should play the full game, so I think he's a value at 6.1K as well.
2: Rayvon, who are the quarterbacks you are high on?
3: First, Gardner Minshew. Um, he's at 5.8K. Going against Indianapolis, uh, he had a big game against them to close out the year last year, over 25 DraftKings points. Um, granted, it was probably a little bit unmotivated team week 17, but um, he's capable of putting up points because he has the he has that rushing upside and. Um, he was kind of unlucky, didn't really score on the ground last year. So I expect that to regress. And then Teddy Bridgewater, he's in a new situation. I think people will, will want to kind of avoid him and feel it out. But I remember Joe Brady was with him in New Orleans, and um, that's their offensive coordinator. So it's not like he's really learning a new offense or anything like that. Um, I expect him to be a little more pass heavy uh, in Carolina than we might think um, because they are going to use a lot of uh, four wide receiver sets. They don't really have much at tight end, uh, especially with Ian Thomas banged up. So uh, I think against this Raiders defense that was number 31 in DVOA against the pass last year, uh, this could be one of Teddy's best matchups uh, and best games of the year right out of the gate. Uh, and actually, I like that Trubisky call as well. I don't think Foles will come in. Um, you know, just looking at the camp reports, uh, you know, Trubisky was playing hurt last year with the with a shoulder injury, and you know, this camp he's been extremely decisive and 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 won that job from Foles. And Foles was the guy who looked very indecisive was just making a ton of mistakes and, and kind of even admitted that the, the pandemic really kind of messed him up. So I think we'll see Trubisky for this whole game, and I think we'll see maybe a little bit closer to the Trubisky that we saw in, in 2018.
2: All right, Rich, who are you low on?
1: it's weird because uh, there are two guys I'm, I'm lower on just based on projections and the, and the market, but I'm not necessarily like down on these guys as players. If you had them, like I wouldn't be looking to bench them. I, I have Josh Allen actually outside of my top 12 this week. I think he's more of just like a, a floor play uh, just because the jets are so bad. I mean, they're, they're, they're a little bit of a pass funnel and have the potential to be a pass funnel. They are actually number one against EPA against the run. Um, but you know, you look at Josh on his career against these in the QB 15, the QB 18. I don't think the jets can do enough offensively to make this like a high scoring game. So I think that Josh Allen's just more of like a a floor play. You're really hoping he does something a little bit extra with his legs, which he's capable of. But um, I'm just a little higher on other quarterbacks than him. And the same thing kind of as Matthew Stafford. I'm not really down on Stafford. He didn't play in either matchup against the Bears last year. But, you know, his past three meetings against the Bears, he's been the QB 16 or lower. The Bears have still only allowed one QB one last year. It's just one of those things where I think that those guys are fine floor plays, but I'm just a little bit below the market on them. Uh, And then obviously Aaron Rodgers, who he's already was the industry QB 15 which I still think is pretty pretty lofty for what for expectations. I mean the Vikings defense still have multiple studs on every level except for cornerback. They've got two great edge rushers, they've got two good linebackers, they have got two really good safeties. Devontae Adams has a clear advantage in this game, but really no one else does offensively. Um Look at the historically, you know, games in Minnesota and games involving these teams have, have really skewed towards the under. Six straight in Minnesota have gone under. Uh, Rodgers has been a top 12 weekly score in just four of his 10 full games against the Mike Zimmer defense, uh, and he's in the QB 17 or lower in his past five full games to Minnesota. So I'm actually a little bit on the fence that Aaron Rodgers bouncing back into totality this year just because they skewed so heavily in terms of rushing touchdowns the to passing touchdowns last year. I think he's going to throw more touchdowns this year, but I don't think this is a week where
4: you're just going to see him bounce Back and be a QB one again. All right, Sean. Who are you looking to fade? So I'm. I'm also looking to fade uh, Aaron Rodgers. I actually have him ranked 25th right now. So I didn't realize that that much lower than the industry. But um, I think it's warranted. He he usually struggles against Mike Zimmer's defense, um, and he really struggled last year against Cover Two and Cover Four, which the the Vikings run a ton of. Um, he ranked uh, 33rd out of 43 against Cover Two. So I think he'll have some issues um, Week One. Although I will say that Devonte Adams is. Way too cheap. Devonte is like 7k or something. We all know everything's going to him. So just if you want to invest in Rogers, just just take Devonte Adams, um, and avoid Rogers at 6.3k. When you know a guy like Cam Newton's even cheaper, um, and the other guy is right in that price range. It's Kyler Murray. He's 6.4k right now. I don't think that the Niners will be as good of a defense this year. I think they'll miss DeForce Buckner. But, you know, heading into week one, uh, I'm a little bit concerned with DeAndre Hopkins' lack of practice time. He's a guy I wanted to see really get, you know, more offseason work with Kyler Murray. So I think they might not be gelling week one. Kyler Murray's a guy that I will definitely be investing on after this week. But tough week one, week one matchup against San Francisco. 6.4K. He's right up there priced with guys like Matt Ryan and, uh, you know, Carson Wentz. So I'll be fading Kyler Murray this week.
2: Rayvon, I uh, imagine that you're going to complete the trifecta here by also saying that you are not on Aaron Rodgers. What say you?
3: Yeah, almost put Kyler in that discussion too. But you know, the rushing, the rushing kind of upside gives him some variance. But Rodgers is a guy that I really don't see how he's going to put up a, a big game. He struggles against you know defenses that you know, as Sean kind of alluded to, can can drop back in coverage. Um, you know that that's really when he's going to struggle the most. And you look at his last four games. Versus Minnesota, you know, 2018-2019, averaging just one passing touchdown a game, averaging just 226 yards passing, and only 1.3 rushing yards per game. So it's not like he's bailing out and, and making something happen on the ground either. His defense has really kept him, kept him bottled up. And I expect that to, to continue this year, especially with the lack of weapons that he has uh, outside of Devontae Adams.
2: All right, so uh, with all of you guys there on Aaron Rodgers looking to fade, Now, Sean, it's such a good time. It's good to be back in in the regular swing of of the season. This is everyone's favorite part of the show. It is time for you to give us your props, which I should say, uh, everyone, be sure to check out the Fantasy Labs player prop tool where the bets with a bet quality of 10 have a 59% win rate over the past two years. And of course, when player props are posted, you can bet them at BetMGM. Sean, give us the first quarterback prop. So
4: I mean, there's so many fascinating storylines we could uh, attack here, but I think the number one, in my opinion, is Tom Brady starting for the Buccaneers week one. Um, So I'm gonna, because there's so many implications based on his passing yards. You know, you have Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Gronkowski, OJ Howard. So I think it's critical to get this right uh, week one. So his passing yards prop, I have the line set at two seventy seven and a half.
3: I'll go over. Uh, I have it at 282. And this is a situation where you're playing a good offense, like the New Orleans Saints, an offense that can score some points. Um, this is usually a situation when even if the quarterback may struggle a little bit, the yardage will be there because um, you'll have to move the ball and, and continue to get in scoring range. So I usually worry about kind of high-end quarterbacks' yardage props when they're in like a cake matchup that, you know, they could, it could be over by the mm-hmm. third quarter. I think this would be a close game. The spread is three and a half, one of the higher under, over-unders of the week. Uh, So I'll go over. I'll go under
1: just to take the under, just because you know I just like I just like taking unders and kind of lofty passing yardage, anyways. But I do think that it's an interesting spot, just in general, because if you look at the Saints, like they typically start slow. It's been one of these like Sean Payton t- teams, like they've historically done it every year. I mean, they're they're just one eight one and eight against the spread. They're past nine season openers. Uh, they've allowed twenty or eight or more points in the past six season openers. It's kind of one. We got a, a not a narrative base here. Uh, I don't know if the angry Tom will come out, but the, you know, the, definitely think that there's going to be a lot to play for in this game. It's the oldest QB matchup in NFL history. We've also got a uh, a team in the Saints. They haven't allowed a 100-yard rusher since Simaji P Ryan in 2017. Uh, so I don't think any of the Bucs guys are really going to get off running the ball either. So I think it's going to be more of a passing script for the Bucks. Um, I think it's a really good number, uh, but I mean, I'll just take the under just because, uh, like I said, I like to take the under on the high passing lines. All right, I'm
2: taking the over here, uh, and I'm pretty uh adamantly taking the over here i have him projected for Bon, i think you said around 282 i think i'm closer to around 290 which is uh which is aggressive but it's a high scoring game uh for the reasons that rich mentioned uh you know i don't think we're going to see many uh rushing carries uh brady focused attack from the very beginning i'm going to take the over i think they will I think it's going to be a shootout, just a back and forth game between both teams. So uh, over for me. So let's get to the, uh, the running backs. And I don't think there's much of a surprise here. The three guys at the top of our rankings, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara. Rich, is that how it shakes out for you?
1: I do not have Saquon Barkley as a top three running back uh, this week. I mean, obviously, you're not you're not benching Saquon Buckley. You're not looking to avoid him. But I just think when you look at the way this sets up, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, fading Daniel Jones to start the season and about this, you know, about the schedule he's going to play. But, you know, not a lot has carried over to what that means for the entire offense. Uh, I think this entire offense is really going to struggle this opening month of the season. And if you look at Saquon, I mean, is, and, you know, it could be partially part of the ankle injury he had last year. But, you know, his, his, all his receiving work got shaved a little bit. Uh, they're going to get Evan Ingram back this year. They're going to actually play all healthily for the first time. Time ever because they not not all these guys have played uh, they didn't play last year any of daniel Jones' starts uh the steelers only allowed one running back to have 100 yards from scrimmage last year i just think that they're a complete mismatch for the, the giants front uh saquon obviously has has a floor and is usable but i have him as the rb6 this week uh so he's not in um my top three so i don't know if that counts as like a rb fade or if that's a hot take or not uh but uh i have it mccaffrey zeke and Dalvin cook as the top three so uh those are my top three but I'm a little bit just a little bit scared of the Giants in totality this opening season
2: yeah talk about what you like about Zeke because he's number four for us and it it is really close in our rankings between Barkley Kamara and Zeke
1: yeah I just think it well one we know the usage is is always safe with Zeke we know even this transition now with Mike McCarthy I think we still know what Zeke is uh is going to do from like a touch count base it's also the what's the highest scoring game of the Sunday slate so like you're getting a running back attached to a high scoring offense. I just think there's a lot of touchdown potential. He's roasted the Rams three straight matchups as well. Uh, I guess one I can't, doesn't count as a roasting. He, he had some touchdown inflation in the middle game. But I mean, last year, they had both those backs had almost 300 yards from scrimmage uh, against the Rams. Uh, I'm a little bit worried about Leo Collins not being there and then, you know, not having Travis Frederick in this game. But uh, I just look at it from, uh, you know, the, the Dallas team total side that there's just be too much scoring opportunities for him.
2: All right, Sean, talk about uh, the guys you have in the top three. Yeah,
4: I'm actually right there with Reeves. I got uh, McCaffrey, Zeke, and I have Cook number three. Uh, oh. You know, he's, he's playing, so, and he's facing, you know, the Packers defense, which is uh, Civ against uh, running backs. So, you know, I have him there. And I'm a little bit lower on Barkley and Kamara just due to the matchup. I, I don't like Barkley against the Steelers. I've said it time and time again. I think the Steelers are probably the best defense in the league heading to the season. And then Kamara, um, you know, he's been dealing with that back issue, contract issues, um, and facing the Buccaneers, which is another uh, very good run defense. So I have them all bunched together, but I'm giving the edge to Cook this week just based on the matchup. And I don't really know what's going on with this contract situation, but it it would behoove him to have a really good week one and then, you know, uh, start playing some games of, you know, threatening to sit out. But uh, I just love Cook uh, heading into week one. And I'm with Reeves on Zeke – in my number two slot, I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. Again, you know the Cowboys' passing offense is the is in the spotlight. They're going to run out of a lot of eleven, uh, which is where Zeke thrived last year. So I think uh, this is a great spot for Zeke as well.
2: Ravon, your top three, give it to me.
3: Yeah, McCaffrey, uh, Zeke, and uh, and Dalvin Cook. I think like Barkley. It's just he's he's always going to get. Um, He's always going to get his touches and he could always break a big play. That's the one thing even against a bad defense. But his Steelers defense has been really strong against both the run and the pass. They were top three in DVOA last year. So uh, I kind of think that the, the potential for a touchdown is kind of connected to the potential for him to, to break a big play a little more than usual. So just a little bit, uh, little bit lower on him this week than I would be in like the season long.
2: Okay, so I guess it's the uh, the Friedman projection that's uh, pushing Saquon into the, the top three here. So, uh, I, I mean, I guess I'll be the guy who sort of like, quote-unquote, defends Saquon. While I see the, the toughness of the matchup against the Steelers, uh, and maybe my, my priors here are wrong, but I believe that we are going to see, under Jason Garrett as the offensive coordinator, a very running back-focused offense to where uh, the Giants stick with the run far longer than they should. And when they do throw the ball, they throw it to Saquon uh, instead of one of the multitude of slot receivers that they have. So uh, I just think it's going to be a ton of usage all season long for Saquon and that starts in week one. But uh, I, I certainly see the risk that he carries. It is a tough matchup that he has against the Steelers. Rich, who is a running back or a couple of running backs that you are high on relative to the consensus?
1: do we have to waste time on Josh Jacobs? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I assume everyone, everyone is just into this with like neon lights. You know, Carolina's got the average youngest defense in the NFL per, in terms of how, age of starters, 23 and a half. They allowed a league high 27 rushing touchdowns last year. They allowed uh, opposing backfields to score seven plus fantasy points per game over what they were averaging coming into that matchup. They were last in EPA rushing. You know, even if you don't, even if we don't even see Josh Jacobs, you know, being used in the passing game, it probably doesn't matter here just because, you know, Carolina literally gave up all their production rushing last season. 33% of the points they allowed from a fantasy stance were on the ground. It was the highest rate in the league. Um, and it's the only game the Raiders are favored in the opening nine weeks of the season. So like, it kind of just really sets up for Josh Jacobs to even at worst be what he was last year and gets just amazing matchup. Um, I'm really not on this guy from a season-long stance, but he just comes out this week. Uh, it's David Johnson. Uh, just, he just comes out higher than where, than where he is in the industry and ranks. I had him. I have him above uh, the field, maybe that's just because he was. It's it kind of followed season long rankings the first week, and it hasn't really caught up. I mean, the Chiefs linebackers are a complete mismatch for David Johnson because the one thing he still does is has has really strong receiving acumen, even. He never was a great running back, period, like as a runner. Uh, and that's kind of really caught up to him the last couple of years. But he still, you know, averaged 10 yards per catch, uh, Was caught 30 passes or 300 yards, those opening six games the last year. Last year, Anthony Hitchens allowed 37 catches, 400 yards in coverage. Damian Wilson, who has to play this year again, 39 catches in coverage. Uh, you know, the, and the Chiefs were 31st in receiving points allowed per game to running backs. They were 27th in that year before. Even if they're chasing script, I mean, it just kind of sets up a little bit, for David Johnson have one of his better games the year and he's fresh and he's healthy, which kind of, you know, these guys that we might not be in on for the full season, like David Johnson or Gurley or even Levy Le'Veon, like these guys early in the season, like it could be when they're at their best. So I think David Johnson's going to catch a bunch of balls on Thursday night. Um, And then, uh, both Colts running backs, pretty pretty obvious smash spot against a Jaguars defense that uh, is really not going to show up to play, and the Colts just ran all over them last year. And the Colts ran for more yards than their opponents, more than any other team in the NFL this year outside of the Ravens. Colts backs ran for 52 times to 347 yards, four touchdowns in the two games they play the Jags. One of those games, they had 200-yard rushers with Mack and Jonathan Williams. I actually think that both Colts guys are probably RB2 guys uh, in lineups or upside for more. I mean, obviously, one of these guys could get froze out of the end zone, and then you're stuck with hollow yardage, but I definitely think that this is a team that runs it upwards of you know 30 to 40 times in this game, uh, as huge favorites, although they are on the road. And then, um, Austin Eckler still I think is undervalued, but I, I kind of ran the shot clock out there,
2: yes. Reeves, I, I agree with all of the guys you mentioned, Eckler in particular, he's going to crush this season, and uh, I, I really like this spot for him. And in a big picture sense, even though he doesn't have Philip Rivers throwing to him anymore. Uh, I still think he's going to get a lot of usage as a receiver. And when he's been used as a receiver, he's been incredibly efficient, was number one uh, among all running backs last year in yards uh, per route run. Uh, I mean, I think the most efficient running back last year on a per snap basis and in, in terms of turning snaps into fantasy points, uh, there's just so much to like about Eckler. And, uh, yes, I have him as my number four running back in the rankings uh, this week. So really like him. Sean, who are you on for this week? Just to touch
4: on uh, Josh Jacobs a little bit more, I, I have him as my number four running back. Uh, I, I think he's a free square play in DFS at 6.8K. The Raiders, you know, they they have one of the best offensive line. They return all five starters. I think that's huge uh, for a season like this, especially entering week one. The Panthers, they grade near the bottom in almost every uh, rush defense metric I look at and you know they're entering the post Luke Keekley era so they have a lot of new faces um, again I agree with Reeves it really doesn't matter if Jacobs only catches one pass in this game he'll probably hit value just based on his rushing stats alone so anything he does in the receiving game is icing on the cake here the two guys I'm looking at are the 4k pass catching running backs although in Antonio Gibson's case he, he could be sort of the workhorse back week one so I think he's a free square um, I'm a little bit worried he could be um, overwhelmed this week, so I'll be I'll be seeing like you know what his expected ownership is. He, he would be an interesting guy to fade if he's too highly owned because we haven't really seen him play running back at the NFL level yet. Um, so I think an interesting pivot from him, if you want to be a little bit contrarian, would be Chris Thompson. Um, he's also 4k. Um, again, you know, a lot of people are focusing on James Robinson being deemed the starting running back, but I'm not really investing in him quite yet. I think Chris Thompson will be, the the main pass catching back and that's the guy you want to target this week against indy so you know chris thompson at 4k could be an interesting pivot play if, uh, if it looks like he's gonna be under owned so uh, i love both of those pass catching backs at uh near mid price right there uh but you know again monitoring how much they'll be owned this week i think that's gonna be critical
2: Sean, uh, I love both of those uh, pass-catching backs you mentioned, uh, especially Thompson in that I do think he's going to be relatively underowned this week. Uh, I just think people will look at the price tags for Thompson, look at Gibson, and everyone right. will just pivot to Gibson. So uh, I think that could create some extra ownership
3: value on,
2: uh, on Thompson. Rayvon, who are you high on this week?
3: Yeah, I love the calls on uh, on Thompson and Gibson. Those are obviously guys that just gonna get a lot more snaps than their price indicates. But uh, I'm looking at uh, Chris Carson. Chris Carson's a guy that kind of always goes a little bit uh, under the radar. But uh, 6.2k, he's a nice, um, you know, for tournaments. I think pivot off Jacobs, who's gonna be a lot higher owned. And uh, Carson is a guy who, um, is averaging, you know, nearly 20 touches per game over the last two years, and he actually sees a lot a, a, an increase in his receiving usage. Uh, when they're on the road, averages three targets per game over the last two years on the road compared to 1.9 at home. So um, that, that's also helpful, especially on a, a site like DraftKings. So uh, I think with Carlos Hyde, looks like he was held out of practice this week. Um, there's really just like Travis Homer, who's a special teamer, and, uh, you know, DJ Dallas, who's a rookie. I think this could be a huge, uh, huge volume game uh, for Chris Carson with Rashad Penny to start the year.
2: All right. Uh, I talked about Eckler before. Another guy who stands out to me uh, is Cam Akers. Uh, I think uh, a month from now, we might all look back and be like, man, I can't believe I had Cam Akers ranked outside of the top 12 in week one. I'm, I'm probably wrong. I'll, I'll just say that. I, I know I'm like the the Akers stand here, but uh, it's a high scoring game against the Dallas Cowboys. We've seen that Rams offense uh, be able to, even last year with a broken down Todd Gurley, be able to funnel uh, high-level production to a running back. And because of everything that Akers has going for him, uh, the fact that he was very productive in college, uh, great athletic profile, a lot of draft capital invested in him, and now for week one, uh, Daryl Henderson uh, looks like he's probably going to be out or at least limited. Uh, and I'm not really buying Malcolm Brown. So I think Akers uh, is really just in a perfect spot to be able to get a lot of usage right away. So he is very much the guy that I am on. Reebs, who uh, is someone you're looking to fade?
1: I mean, Nick Chubb pretty much stands out. I know it's not really a hot take, but I mean, you got a huge road dog uh, that might not catch passes. It's pretty, pretty terrible spot here to, to really chase groundwork. Um, we don't know what the Browns are going to do. I mean, there's been a lot of speculation this offseason on how they're going to split up those carries and how they're going to use, you know, Cream Hunt and Nick Chubb together. And, the, and then having a third target this year uh, in Austin Hooper in the past games, they did not have that over the back half of last season when Cream Hunt was third on the team in targets. There's a lot in limbo here. I mean, a lot of people are ty- trying to just, you know, square peg a guy that's called, you know, NFL games for 20 games, a, a 20 game sample size and say, the Brownsers can be the 2019 Vikings. I don't think that's going to be the case either, but just like I said, it's just, it's just a bad spot in a guy, we don't know if he's going to be involved in the past game. Maybe he is. maybe he gets some of those screen passes Dalvin cook, you know, had last year and he's able to do some work on those, but we still don't know. And then you talk about just huge road dogs against the defense that added Clayus Campbell can, is is definitely formidable against the run. So just a little bit more down, wait and see on Nick Chubb, more of a, an RB2 guy. You probably need a touchdown from him. And I think there's at least a conversation to be had uh, for Antonio Gibson. At, like the wide spectrum of outcomes that he has he's definitely hard to get away from at 4k on dk and like friedman knows i've been talking talking to him in the dms about gibson for a while um but there's just a we don't know how many touches he's gonna get like it could be awesome he could get 18 to 20 touches he could get 12 touches uh, and looking at projected ownership i mean it's through the roof on dk already and then it's i think it's way too high on a site like FanDuel. we don't know if he'll even get goal line opportunities as well then the eagles are a team that we've you know, completely wanted to avoid rushing production from, anyways. Uh, you know, they they've been sixth, fifth, and first in rushing points allowed to backfields uh, the past three seasons. Washington and two games against them combined rushed 32 times for 103 yards with their running backs last year. Uh, granted, one none of those guys were as good as Antonio Gibson potentially could be. Uh, there's just a wide spectrum of where he could land, though, and I don't think if his ownership's going to be like upwards of, of 30%, like it's looking like on DK now, uh, I think that's pretty easy to get away from, just to, and, and just, to, just to hedge and say, if this guy doesn't score a touchdown, he could definitely has a nice... He's going to hit value there at 4K, but uh, I think definitely on FanDuel, too, he's way too high, and he could smash as well, but that's definitely in the range of outcomes. But uh, I definitely think that he's a guy I'm optimistic on, but I don't have
2: two feet in week one yet. All right, Sean, who are you looking to stay away from? So, Raheem
4: Mostert's the guy that sticks out for me. Uh, I, I don't think his price is too far off. I, I think 5.8k is fair for him, but you know, the, the 49ers offense, you know, Kyle Shanahan does like to go at the hot hand at times. Uh, Mostert doesn't really provide much in the past game, uh, he's pretty touchdown dependent. And, you know, they, they decided to keep Jeff Wilson, who, you know, I just hate projecting out because he does vulture some touchdowns. So I think Moser has a lower floor than people realize. Again, I think he has a high ceiling. And if you take him, you know, I, I'm not going to fault you for it. But I think he's one of the guys that I do like to fade heading into week one. Um, and, you know, we haven't really heard much about Jarek McKinnon, which is good news for him. So he's going to be in the mix. Um, you know, Tevin Coleman will be there. It's just one of those situations where you might as well spend up a few hundred dollars to get in a true lock in a true workhorse or spend down to get some of these value options. So he sticks out like a sore thumb this week as someone I'll avoid. Um, and the only other guy I'm I'm clearly avoiding is James White at 6k just because, you know, um, Gibson and Chris Thompson at 4k, you just have so many of these pass catching backs that are too cheap this week that, uh, James White really doesn't make sense, especially in a home matchup against the Dolphins where he might not be needed as much. Um he's one of the guys that I think I'll be fading just based on his price point and better options that are uh way cheaper this week.
3: All right, Raymond, what about you? For me, it's that the Tampa Bay backfield uh going against New Orleans. Uh, we already know, you know, there's kind of a lot of uncertainty about the roles with Fournette six K, Ronald Jones five point two K. Um Obviously with Jones, you know, if you're even thinking about it, you know, you got to go down into like that 4K range, and there's so many better backs. But New Orleans also just a, a very good run defense. Um, they, were, they were top five in DVOA against the, the run last year. They were top five in, fan, in least fantasy points allowed to running back. So uh, I just don't think this is going to be a good, a good spot for New Orleans running the ball. And that's another reason why I took the over on the, uh, on the Brady passing prop.
2: All right, Sean, give us
4: the running back prop. So we're, we're going to go with Antonio Gibson, total rushing and receiving yards this week. Curious to hear where you guys are at. But right now I have him at 60 and a half
2: total scrimmage yards. So not that many. I'll take the over here. I have it closer to 70, which uh, is not a surprise that uh, I'm so optimistic on him and that I'm being the fish by taking it over once again. But uh, Antonio Gibson, I'm, I'm going to be early to the party.
3: Yeah, I'm a over. I have him at 68. I think that, you know, it's a good point that Rich made. He might not see goal line work or anything like that, but uh, just looking at this Washington offense, it's hard not to project Gibson for a good amount of touches, and I think that the one of the reasons, you know, they released Adrian Peterson is because they want their running backs to be able to go in motion, to catch passes, so he'll get scheme touches. Um, if they get behind, those will be in the passing game even more, so uh, I really don't have Gibson projected for many um, – for many carries only 5.6. So being very conservative with his carries um, and I'm still well over uh, that yardage prop. So I think he, it's kind of uh, a situation where uh, the touchdown is, is probably going to be what does it. Um, I don't think he's a great bet for a touchdown, but I do think he's a, a pretty solid high floor play in terms of yardage.
1: Yeah, I got to go over two as well there, just the, the numbers too strong, because we know he's going to be involved in the pass game. And, you know, just, you know, a couple plays here, even if he gets four or five catches, he's going to be in the ballpark if he just tacks on, even if he's stymied for like five to seven carries for like 24 yards, like if he can get four yards, he's still going to be there. So we'll, we'll all just take the bait on that
4: one. Yeah, yeah, I'm not too happy you guys all took the over. But again, he has a wide range of outcomes. It'll be either yeah. 40 or 80. I don't think it's going to come down to the wire here. But yeah, I think you guys are right. I think just the fact that he's going to dominate the, the passing down work helps in a market like this. Again, you know, Bryce Love and Peyton Barber uh, will, you know, they'll eat into his carries and especially goal line work. But I, I'm not too worried about J.D. McKissick eating into his target share. So I think I think you guys are right. His path to going over here is his receiving work. And I do feel confident about that this week.
2: All right, let's take a quick break to talk with our friend Peter Jennings, a.k.a. CSURAM88, a two-time DFS world champion and co-founder of Fantasy Labs. Pete, how's it going?
5: Matt, stoked to be with you. Uh, Very excited for week one. And uh, yeah, a lot of money on the line uh, across the board uh, with NFL starting up. How are you approaching cash games in week one? historically almost every year we've had some screaming value with injuries or a spot opening up and uh, we have a little bit of that this year Um, I think probably the big guy who's been priced on DraftKings that a lot of people play is Antonio Gibson but still a lot of uncertainty and there's some pretty nice value in some of these other running backs so definitely looking to jam in the the high value guys and uh, more so this year I think I'll have a little bit more balanced lineup versus the kind of stars and scrubs I've had in the past. Uh, with some of the value that we've had in week one previously.
2: And what are the things you're looking at for GPPs?
5: Yeah, I'm looking at some game stacks for sure. I think that's something we've seen. uh, The trends at Fantasy Labs show that, you know, having a a quarterback with a pass catcher and running it back uh, with an opposing player makes a lot of sense. So I'm targeting some games, and uh, as the week goes on, I'll have a sense of kind of uh, where ownership's going to be, and I'll try to stack some uh, lower-owned games.
2: Okay, give us a couple of quarterbacks you like.
5: I think Carson Wentz has a chance to be pretty chalky, but I, I like him initially for cash games. If you really want to save Tyrod Taylor's ranking pretty well uh, in our models, from a pure projection standpoint, uh, it's hard to go away from Lamar Jackson. So if you're going to save a uh, running back with like a Gibson, obviously Lamar uh, was unbelievable last year. So looking at him as well, and then there's a ton of guys that I like for tournaments.
2: Who are some of the running backs you want to invest in?
5: Yeah. So running back, I mentioned Gibson up front. He's 4K, which is minimum price on draft teams. they raise the floor on minimum price to, you know, handle the situation of people being out. I think the best values, though, are Josh Jacobs uh, for the Raiders at 6,800 and Alvin Kamara, who looks like he's about to sign a deal with New Orleans. So I like both those quite a bit, both those guys quite a bit uh, in all formats. And who are some of the wide receivers you want? Yeah, wide receiver is loaded. So many good options. I think Deshaun Jackson will be chalky, and I I view him more as a tournament only type play at 4,900. So I might stay away, even though he's rating really well in our Fantasy Labs models. Uh, A couple guys I absolutely love Terry McLaurin, 5,600. I think he is an absolute lock uh, at that price tag. Really, really want exposure to him uh, against the Eagles. I like DK Metcalf at only 5,800. And then if I'm spending, I think my favorite
2: spend is Devontae Adams at 7,300. And then at tight end, who are some of the guys who catch your eye?
5: Yeah. Historically I've spent at this position. Uh, like I mentioned, I think Carson Wentz might be pretty chalky because you have really cheap options. Miles Sanders, uh, I just mentioned Deshaun Jackson and Zach Ertz stands out at 5,800 as does his counterpart or, you know, the other tight end of the team, Dallas Goddard. Uh, those guys are interesting, but they might be chalky. So I'm either going to spend up at George Kittle at 7,200 going against Arizona, or I'm kind of looking at some of these other guys that, in some new roles, like Hayden Hurst at 4,300, I think is, uh, Really interesting, and I think Chris Herndon's going to have a bounce-back season, and he's only 3,300 going against the
2: Bills. All right, finally, are there any game stacks that you think might be undervalued? The
5: Seattle-Atlanta game uh, is really interesting to me. I know it's one of the higher totals. We'll see how it kind of shakes out in terms of ownership. I'm hopeful that the Tampa Bay-New Orleans game soaks up more ownership. If that's the case, I'm really intrigued by this game. I think there's a lot of options, some of which I've already mentioned here that make a ton of sense to me. this Carolina game uh, I think is really interesting one of the kind of middling to higher end totals Uh, I think the Carolina defense is going to be really bad if the Raiders can put up some points love Josh Jacobs I mentioned love Christian McCaffrey and you know Bridgewater's got a lot of options there so a lot of different ways that you can stack up that game and uh, it's an intriguing spot for sure with a 47 and a half total
2: all right that was Peter Jennings Pete thanks for dropping in
5: Uh, thanks so much for having me Matt
2: all right let's move along to our wide receivers Rich, the guys that we have at the top of our rankings, Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, Devontae Adams, you know, you can make some arguments for other guys to put in the top three. How do you have uh, your rankings here?
1: It's basically a you know, season-long chalk here. Uh, yeah, Adams, Thomas, uh, Julio Jones, just all run into great spots. I and mean, we talked about Devontae Adams, and he was used in a Michael Thomas fashion to close last year in the last final ten games. You know, we've, it's been well documented what the Packers have not done in the passing game, and then he's going to be going against you know two rookie quarterbacks and Jeff Gladney and Cameron Dansler and then uh, third-year guy Holton Hill and Mike Hughes, who you probably won't see that much in the slot. Uh, just a tremendous spot for him. Michael Thomas uh, is going against the you know Tampa Bay was thirty first in points per game allowed to opposing wide receiver one options he's had in seven games against the Buccaneers he's had six or more catches in all of them he's had 94 more yards in all but one and then Julio is in another great spot too Seattle where they struggled was actually against dominant X receivers he had 10 for 152 with Matt Shaw playing in this game a year ago there's uh, a, a path for him to also potentially lead the league in targets as well and like kind of like a maybe one i don't want to say a swan song year for julio but it's like i think he's got one more like really giant year in him based on the, what the atlanta offense is right now and how it starts to revolve around the pass and him and calvin ridley and then question marks afterwards so those are the um all three guys pretty chalky but they just run into great spots to open the season
2: all right sean uh who do you have in the top three yeah, so Michael Thomas is number
4: one, of course, in a tier by himself. Although I will say this tier two is a little bit closer this week. So I have, you know, Terry Kill, Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, all sort of within a point. Um, I think whenever you talk about this tier, you always have to say Terry Kill has the highest ceiling of the bunch and probably the lowest floor. I think Devontae Adams has the highest floor. Like I said, Aaron Rodgers really only has him to go to. So I think he's a lock for 10 plus targets every week. I agree with what you said with Julio Jones. I, I think all three of these guys are interchangeable. I wouldn't be surprised if he has one of the highest scoring uh, weeks uh, in Week One, so yeah, I think all three are very close, but I, I have the edge to Hill just based on
3: his ceiling. All right, Raybon, who do you have in the top three? I'll go with uh, with Hill as well over Devontae. I just think that when you look at Aaron Rodgers' numbers against Minnesota, and you know him averaging you know un- well under one and a half touchdowns per game, not many much yardage like that does still end up or could at least potentially end up trickling down to Devontae Adams, whereas you're looking at Mahomes. Uh, and he's in a smash spot against Houston. So I think that's what kind of gives the edge to uh, Tyreek in that top three. For me, over, over Devontae Adams, Julio, of course, um, is in a great spot. And then Michael Thomas is the, is the number one and two, you know, further notice. All
2: right, Rich, who is a guy or a couple of guys that you are relatively high on?
1: All right, I'm going to try to dig down here, and not just give guys like I think because I think this like the Seattle guys are in play that I think they're undervalued, but uh, so we're going down for people might be thinking about like starting these guys or looking just to like, plug in a wide receiver three in DFS. Uh, the first guy that stands out is Anthony Miller. Uh, just when you look at his target share with the final seven games last season, uh, 19% team target share. We talked about the running back situation kind of coming into this game. It might lean towards being a little more pass heavy or doing greatest things with uh, Mitchell Trubisky. He's going to face Justin Coleman because uh, he runs 78% of his routes in the slot. Coleman allowed the third most catches, the second most yards, and the most touchdowns from the slot a year ago. The last two times they, uh, last time they played, uh, Miller just went bonkers on him. Deshaun Jackson's really hard to get away from. Uh, just when you look at Washington at the totality, they've got a really good front Seven, a lot of high draft picks, but then you just look at their cornerback depth chart. It's Kendall Fuller, Fabian Moreau, Ronald Darby, Aaron Colvin, and Jimmy Moreland. Out of 136 qualifying cornerbacks last year, Colvin was 136, Darby was 134th, Moreau was 90th, and Fuller was 130, uh, uh, 133rd uh, of yards a lot per coverage snap out of all those guys. Uh, so they've got quite a hodgepodge of bad cornerback play. And you know, with Jalen Rager being injured to kind of start the year, uh, with DJX is another one of those guys. Like he's starts the year hot like if you especially you look at just his week ones eight for 154 and two last year five for 146 and two year before that six for 102 you know the year before that he 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 plays his best when he's fresh and I actually think as a dart play or tournament pivot in that game if you're stacking I think J.J. Ortega Whiteside is kind of an interesting guy in that game is like a super dart throw. I know you're not playing him. And then uh, Jamison Crowder, just by default of what the Jets have and the way the Bills are set up defensively with Josh Norman. And, you know, I don't want to say Josh Norman because he's really not anyone we're scared of, but and Travis White on the outside to go against Perriman and Mims, who are just going to be slaughtered, lambs of the slaughter and not even get targets. Uh, they're just going to funnel the middle of the field with targets. And the two games the Jets played the Bills last year, Crowder had a 35% team target share. Uh, so I know he's not a exciting not sexy on any level uh but you know a lot of targets are going to come crowder's way week one
2: rich totally love it especially the deshaun jackson call uh whoever it is that he's matched up against you know whether it's on the outside whether he's in the slot he's just going to burn them so uh deshaun jackson in week one he's like the uh like the nascar driving specialist who come in only for like a couple races a year and like that's their thing like if deshaun jackson could just play in week one every week he would be the greatest wide receiver of all time. Just doesn't, doesn't work out that way. All right, Sean, who are you relatively high on?
4: I'm really high on DK Metcalf. I think this is the last chance we get to get him under 6K, especially week one. There's really no reason to get cute. Uh, this is when there's you know, the softest money out there, so um, I'm not really trying to figure out a way how to fade him. Uh, So I'm loading up on him this week. Um, I think you know Deshaun Jackson seems like a free square at uh, 4,900. You know they're they're hurting at wide receiver, so you know he's he's probably in a smash spot. I think an interesting pivot play. Off of him is, is to spend up a couple hundred bucks to get Marquise Brown. I, I'm really high on Marquise Brown this year. I think we we should see about a 33% um, increase in snaps this year. He put on a little weight, so uh, muscle, I should say. So I think he's going to be an explosive player. Still has the same speed. This could be, you know, the last time we get him right around 5K. So I'm just trying to buy guys low uh, this week. Again, not trying to get too cute. You know, if you want to fade somebody, it would be Deshaun Jackson, who is streaky. He's going to be high owned. But uh, I, I don't know if I'm, I have the moxie to do that this week. I'll, I'll be all over him at, at 4,900 this week.
2: Sean talking about wait. Hey, we've all put on weight during the coronavirus time. Okay, Sean, <laughs> lay, lay off of Hollywood. Yes,
4: absolutely.
3: <laughs> all right, Bon, who are you interested in this week at wide receiver? Deshaun Jackson, first of all. I, I love d I think for all the points you guys made, I think this is just a great matchup for him at 4.9K. He should weed the team in air yards. Um, I also like uh, T.Y. Hilton uh, for the Colts-Jags game. I think a lot of people are going to be on the the running backs. T.Y. is 5.8k, um, so you're kind of getting like a, a below wide, true wide receiver one price tag for him. But uh, the Jaguars are going to have an uh, inexper- inexperienced secondary. Philip Rivers has always kind of peppered his his number one wideout with targets, and I think you know this is a, a matchup where people aren't really going to be thinking about. Uh, ty quite as much as maybe you know you would otherwise he seems like it seems like he's healthy so uh you know good spot for him against the jags who uh you know who are one of the worst teams against number one wide receivers last year uh and then i I think the for the uh redskins steven sims uh, at 4.7k is interesting uh he's a guy who he could mess up the the gibson uh play just a little bit because you know he's another guy that's going to get like short targets underneath and um, I think Terry McQuarren, you know, going against Slay uh, will maybe not see quite as many targets. So, um, you know, that's an interesting one. And then uh, Miles Boykin at 4.1K. Uh, I think, you know, the Ravens, they're, they're going to need a number two wide receiver um, to kind of step up this year. Willie needs more of a slot guy, as is Juvernay. I think Boykin's the guy that's going to be on the field pretty much every snap that they line up, you know, with, with uh, you, know, two wide, you know, two wide receivers or three wide receivers or more. Uh, so he could take a major jump forward uh, this year. And he's only 4.1K. And remember, that Brown secondary has been banged up uh, all offseason and, and not, not a lot of practice time together. So uh, they could be very vulnerable. All right, Reeves, a guy you are low on.
1: I mean, there's really no way you get me to play A.J. Green at any level if it's season long or DFS this week. I mean, you're talking about coming off the injury now yet. Really no time to get any rapport with a rookie quarterback. There's already some talks like they might monitor his snaps, and then just the matchup is, is garbage for him. Casey Hayward did allow five touchdowns last year in coverage, but also just 27 catches, which was the fourth fewest among 87 qualifying corners that played 50% of the team snaps last year. Um, so, I mean, other than that, I mean, it's, it's wide receivers. You're always going to have, you know, the, the variance to kind of, like, lean into. I mean, I, I don't think Mike Evans is in a great spot historically how he's performed but you know, like I said we kind of like that game so I mean he, he's definitely a guy that's capable of winning any matchup as well uh but probably just a couple spots lower than him as well and then I I know that you're a big Cowboys guy Friedman and I'd like to get Sean and uh, Chris's take on it too just who they believe is the full-time slot receiver for the Cowboys this year or it's just going to be like a hodgepodge of rotating all these guys through because that guy's got the best matchup of the group this week um but I don't know if it's going to be Amari. If you look at Amari's like slot splits versus inside, uh, inside and out, he's been so tremendous out of the slot. Uh, and you know, the two games he's faced Jalen Ramsey, he's totaled just four catches for 38 yards, 48 yards um, in the games he's been involved in. So I mean, but David Long in the slot taking over, Nickel Robbie Coleman, um, that guy can be exposed a little bit. He only played 100 snaps as a rookie, uh, so I'm curious to,
2: to hear your take on who the Cowboys are going to have really line up in the slot more often than not this year. So, uh, yes, Reeves, I'm, I'm fully on Cooper in the slot this year. I think he plays 50% of the, uh, the snaps in the slot. So I'm, I'm very interested in him for the season and uh, for week one. It will be interesting to see what the Rams do with Ramsey, whether they actually have him shadow into the slot uh, or whether they use him purely as a perimeter receiver. Uh, Sean, who are guys you are low on?
4: I think it goes without saying, but um, I'm low on Devontae Parker this week. Um, he, he's been kind of missing some practice due to mystery ailment, and it turns out it looks like it's his uh, left hamstring. So I think he'll come off uh, to a slow start this year, and he faces Stefan Gilmore. So like I said, week 17 last year. Don't be surprised when he goes for eight catches and 130 yards again, but uh, I think just there's too many options this week to even, um, you know, even take a flyer on him at that price. I think he'll be low on either way. And the other guy that I'm staying away from is Emmanuel Sanders at 5,700. Again, he's way overpriced. I I think he's going to make the Saints offense and Drew Brees better, having a legit wide receiver two option. But, uh, you know, Michael Thomas still commands such a huge target share that he's never going to be worth this price. I think he'll settle in, um, you know, closer to 5K. And I'll, I'll take some shots on him other weeks. But when he's more expensive than guys like Terry McLaurin or Marquise Brown, you know, I'm going to avoid him completely. So he's another guy I'm, I'm completely off this week.
3: All right, Raybon, who are you fading? DeAndre yeah, Hopkins, he's 6.8K. He's one of the most expensive wide receivers on the main slate. And you look at him going against this San Francisco defense, which was number one uh, in the league in terms of least schedule-adjusted receiving yards allowed to number ones at just 54.9, uh, according to Football Outsiders. And then – also, you got the kind of the the new quarterback, new receiver, you know, could could be a slow start anyway type of thing going. So just a lot of factors kind of working against DeAndre, uh, really smashing uh, to open the season with his, with his new team. Sean, since Reeves asked about uh,
2: the Dallas slot receiver, yeah. give us a prop with uh, yeah. Dallas.
3: Well, yeah, you're in
4: luck. That, that's actually the prop I had picked. Uh, right. CeeDee Lamb's receiving yards in his debut so I have the line set at 55 and a half receiving yards
2: I will take the under I think that's a good line I have it at 52 and a half
3: over I have it at 58 I think that uh, you look at the Cowboys offense and you know you have to kind of scheme for Cooper and Gallup a little more just by default Uh, and, and we've seen some rookies have big games in their in their first you know games because you don't really know what to expect. I mean, I remember Marquise Brown last year, Terry McLaurin, uh, some of these talented rookies, you can come out the gate strong. So uh, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. And whether he gets it kind of in the flow of the offense or, you know, maybe there's kind of some shootout weight going on. But uh, I think one way or another, uh, he's going to come out to get strong.
1: I'll go under. I'm at 53.2. Uh, and I just think if, if, if Friedman ends up being right and Cooper does play 50% of his routes in the slot – then that's, that's a more of a problem for him in this game because, I mean, I think the slot receiver has the best matchup uh, between this group. I don't like fading anyone with, uh, you know, attached to deck in this offense, but uh, I think this is a slot receiver Jarwin uh hot spot, you know, for those of the guys that are going to be doing the, the wrecking here in the passing game. So if Lamb is the guy that gets, you know, 30% of the routes in the slot, I'm going to be way wrong, but uh, Friedman already told me that Cooper's
2: playing 50%, so I'm going I'm to take the under. <laughs> <laughs> okay don't, don't don't take anything i say really about anything as as gospel uh rayvon can back up that statement uh okay let's let's get to the the tight ends uh i don't know if we really need to spend any time on on the big three i'm assuming that uh all of us have Kittle, kelsey and andrews at the top uh so Reebs, i want to get directly into it who is a tight end that you are high on this week
1: uh, Tyler Higby. I think you can just play the, the narrative that a lot of people don't believe into him in and he, how he closed last year. And even the craziest part, when he was the league's highest scoring tight end, he actually was a little bit unlucky. He got tackled at the one yard line three different times too, um, but led the team in end zone targets, uh, led the team in red zone targets. Uh, opposing teams targeted their tight ends league high 27% of the time against the Cowboys last year. Uh, like I said, you just really, I think, play the, a play against play against people wanting to avoid Higby. Uh, but all the, I mean, that's that's not a main slate, you know, DFS game. But I think Higby is, a, is he's my tight end five. I think he's locked in there. He's been a little bit lower than the industry right then. Uh, but I'm I'm high on Tyler Higby. You know, starting the year, not quite where he left
2: off, but still being a, a top tight end. All right, Sean, who are you looking at this week? Hayden Hurst, baby, at 4.3k. I mean, this is Austin Hooper
4: part two. Uh, I, I'm obsessed with dirt cutter. Uh, tight end so I will be backing him until he's over 5k um, and then uh, Chris Herndon is the cheaper dart throw that I wouldn't even call him a dart throw but a uh, 3.3k he's a cheap option at tight end uh, Brashard Perryman's dealing with a knee injury Denzel Mims has been in out of practice I don't think he's ready to start uh, week one so uh, Chris Hogan's likely to start um, and more importantly Ryan Griffin has been dealing with an ankle injury I thought he might cut into Uh, some of Hurden's work, but uh, he might be uh, a little slow out of the gate. So I think Hurden could see, you know, five to six targets week one and a price that cheap if you want to spend up elsewhere. He's a great pivot uh, at tight end. But ultimately, I think Hayden Hurst at 4.3 is the free square this week at tight end.
3: Raybon, who do you like? Yeah, I love obviously Hurst, but I'm going to go – and I love uh, Mark Andrews at 6K, you know, as kind of – you know, there's a pretty big gap between him. Um, and Kittle at the top. But uh, I'm going to go with Logan Thomas. Again, I think, you know, 2.8K. I expect him to run pretty much, um, you know, all the pass routes for Washington. And I I just love these cheap uh, redskin players, excuse me, Washington football team players that, um, you know, in tournaments especially uh, can kind of uh, have negative correlation with Antonio Gibson. So, you know, Thomas at 2.8K, you can't really go wrong um, with him. Uh, Jeremy Sprinkle has apparently been running with the third team only. Uh, and, uh, and their second-string tight end is Marcus Ball, whoever that is. So uh, I expect Thomas to be a guy that, you know, he could get, you know, especially in a game where we expect Washington to be trailing, uh, he could get, you know, five, six catches one way or another.
2: Okay, I have a serious Dynasty question. Hey, I'm going to take a quick straw poll of you three guys, and I want you just to answer with one word. In Dynasty, you get to keep only one tight end, Logan Thomas or Ian Thomas? rich are you taking logan or ian
1: i'm still gonna take ian thomas but uh, i i there's a great friedman question as still, always <laughs> still taking ian okay
2: corner. Yeah. who are you ian or logan Ian,
4: ian all the way okay
2: rayvon <laughs> logan logan okay <laughs> this doesn't give me any more satisfaction in terms of what i'm going to do uh okay uh rich who are you relatively low on a tight end this week
1: I mean, it's tough when you look at a tight end. I mean, it's tough to really be down on a lot of guys' spots. I mean, you know, that could, because we've only got what, like eight tight ends we really feel good about, anyways, on a regular basis. So, like, who are we really fading out of that group? Because, you know, Hunter Henry now, if Mike Williams doesn't play, like, he's still in a kind of a favorable spot against the Bengals who really struggled, you know, in their immediate level last year. Uh, Waller is facing, you know, that Panthers defense that, you know, we just want to pick on every week. I think maybe Evan Ingram is, it, you know, is isn't objectively the worst spot just from a team stance. So, like, he's a guy you would be down on probably relatively to the field. Uh, not really, like I said, on the, on the main slate, though, that you're really looking to get, get away from. I think people probably will overrate Gronk. Uh, you know, especially where he's at and we don't know like one, how much 12 personnel they're going to run. We don't know if the bucks are going to kind of preserve Gronk on any level, you know, cause he hasn't played a full season since the start of his career. They might be looking at a longer game where Gronk is more of a package player and he might not be a guy that can run into six to eight targets. It might be three to five and he might just be, you know, used near the goal line. Uh, we don't know. Uh, there's a little bit of unknown there. And I think he's more of a name brand recognition play right out of the box than he is. But I mean, if you got tight ends, I mean, if you've
2: got a good
4: one, I mean, you're, just, you're probably just playing them, though, season long.
2: All right, Sean, who are you fading?
4: Austin Hooper at 5.1K. I mean, they have the prices flipped for Hayden Hurst and Austin Hooper. He's, he's going from the tight end-friendly Falcons game to the uh, Browns, where, you know, they're going to run uh, a lot of two tight end sets, um, be a more run-heavy team, less passing yards to go around in general. Um, and it's a tougher matchup at Baltimore, so I will have no shares of Austin Hooper at 5.1K this week.
3: Rayvon, who are you staying away from? Yeah, it's Austin Hooper. He's just too uh, highly priced at 5.1K. I think he may end up being a bigger part of this Browns offense um, than, we, than you know, we think given that they have Landry and Beckham. But um, not like this week, you look at the matchup against Baltimore, and Baltimore was number two in least schedule-adjusted yards per game allowed to tight ends last year uh, at just 36.5 per game. Uh, on you know 6.1 uh, schedule adjusted target so you know even if Hooper gets like you know 80 percent or, or all of the tight end targets he's still looking at a very inefficient kind of uh, almost fantasy irrelevant game and you're just betting on like a dart throw uh, touchdown or something so I think yeah, I think he's way overpriced at, at 5.1 game yeah
2: with you guys on Hooper all the way Sean give us that tight end prop
4: so uh, we're going with Tyrell Higby receiving yards. I think this is the most uh, critical projection to get right uh, heading into the season. And Reeves is kind of announcing his bet before getting to the ticket window, so I'm adjusting my line a little bit here. Uh, but I have the over-under at 53.5 receiving yards.
3: Under. I have it at 49.9. <laughs> yeah, <so>, yeah. <laughs> I'm going under. I'm going under. I'm going to Ree- Reeves tell it while he's going over. Yeah,
1: I, I'm going over for sure. I have him for uh, sixty-seven and a half,
4: but uh,
3: oh. I
1: actually think that at that
4: slow as well. <laughs> where Where do you have Gerald Everett ranked this week? Because that's that's obviously a critical part of this.
1: Yeah, um, I have I have Everett. Um, I have the, So I actually have them running a ton of eleven this week. So any time uh, from weeks eleven to seventeen last year, the Rams trailed. They were in eleven personnel eighty-seven percent of the time. Uh, So I actually have them in more 11 this game being, uh, you know, a home dog uh, against the Cowboys. They actually ran 11 96% of the time that Dallas game, but it was because they were losing 28 to seven at halftime. I think that's not going to be the case uh, this, this week. It could be, but probably not. I think that they'll put more of a fight, uh, you know, this week, but I have them running a lot more 11 this week. uh, And then I have him, so I have him just completely out snapping, uh, you know, Gerald Everett. Gotcha.
4: makes sense.
2: I will take the under. I think, Rayvon, you said you had 49 and a half, something around there. I have yeah. around 46 and a half, which uh, to Reeves must feel especially egregious. And maybe I'll need to go back and look at that line a little bit. But uh, I'll, I will take the under, especially knowing, Sean, that you probably inflated it a little, uh, a little bit. Reeves, awesome having you on the show. Reeves, let us know what people should be checking out at Sharp Football Analysis.
1: Yeah, so obviously the main thing is I put out the weekly worksheet. You know, it's a you know matchup-based column every week based on all the re- fantasy relevant players. There's some betting, uh, you know, usefulness too. I put a lot of betting stuff in there too. Some trends, you know, um, and ongoing stuff there. So definitely check that out. Uh, we've got a few new tools on the site. Uh, we've got a, a heat map tool versus you know defensive matchups where you can see where everyone's getting their targets and where the targets uh, to opposing positions are to defense and the success rate of those targets. You can check that out. And then uh, other than that, you know, just at Lord Reeves on Twitter and. Uh, I'll be here week one next year
2: all right uh, everyone be sure to tune in for uh, the 2021 week one version with uh, Lord Reeves uh, and of course follow him on Twitter you can follow Sean Chris and me in the action network app at the underscore oddsmaker, Chris Ravon and Matt at the Oracle use the app to get real-time odds and track your bets for free please subscribe to and rate and review the show and listen and download on Spotify see you again next episode